0: This is episode Zero Charlie of Free as in Freedom for Tuesday, March 29th, 2011. Hi, this is Karen Sandler.
1: And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This
0: is Free As Freedom.
1: Yeah, let's move our laptops away from the microphone. That's smart. Away from, we don't want any noise for all you listeners out there.
0: We're going to get a new location.
1: Yeah, it's true. I moved uh, moved office space in my ever-increasing um, attempt to have uh, have a co-working environment that works. People who follow me on Identica know my my trials and tribulations in my co-working facility. And they heard it in the background last show.
0: They did, they did, but you weren't in your office either.
1: I was in the conference room, but my conference room was adjacent to the same noise area. But now
0: it's a really quiet space, and let's just, for one second, more than a second, but...
1: Yeah, it's it's true. Well, this (laughs) is because I moved to the downstairs area, which nobody's moved into yet. Um, So
0: we've got basically a a listener-driven show today, because we're covering two topics, and both of them were requested.
1: Oh, well, was this topic?
0: one was requested, and the other is responding to conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't. Was this was our first topic here? Was this requested? Yes, it was oh, requested
0: okay. early. Uh, so I guess by the time you guys are listening to this, the first topic is a little old.
1: Yeah, a, a little bit. Although it was such an ongoing uh, discussion um, that it was really, I, I, it could still be going on by the time we get into next week because this this has been just. I think it's actually been blown out of. Proportion. I was going to say
0: it's a kind of a tempest in a teapot. Well, why don't we just say what the two topics are?
1: Um, yeah, well, let's at least say what the first one is. Um, the first one, we're going to talk about this issue of Bionic and Linux headers and mm-hmm. copyrights and so forth. Uh, we're going to do that first. And then second, you want to just tell them what we're going to do second.
0: Oh, sure. The second is we're just going to clear up in our last episode. We um, we had a long discussion about the terms free software and open source software and I thought we both made some very eloquent points, and unfortunately, at least I think I, think I was um, not as eloquent as I thought I was because I was pretty misunderstood um, from what I'd intended to say um, in some follow-up discussion at Identica about it. So I would like to talk about that just so that we, um, you know, just clear the air. Okay,
1: so let's get to our first topic uh, first because I think that's probably the one that's going to be more exciting. I don't, I don't know how many people are going to stay listening all the way through to another free software yeah, source debate. Yeah, I think so. Um, but this one I'm sure everybody wants to well, hear about.
0: why don't about. We, we, we leave a brief musical interlude?
1: Oh, do, so oh, really? I miss that? the
0: musical interludes.
1: Okay, well, that's editing work for Dan. Thank you, Dan. Did you enjoy the musical interlude?
0: Well, actually, we didn't listen to it just now. So I'm sure that when I listen to the recorded, the final version of this that Dan has put together, I will enjoy the musical interlude and the musical stylings of one Mike Tarantino. Okay. Accompanied on drums by Charlie Paxson. <laughs>
1: That's a lot more uh, discussion of the music than we <laughs> usually have. So, <laughs> people really, uh, well, I guess, I guess those who read my blog uh, probably know everything I'm going to say about this. I'll link to that blog in the show notes if you haven't read it. But, uh, I don't have much more to say than what I said there, which is basically that, uh, that this, this is incredibly silly that this is being raised in this way. And, and it's really, it's shoddy analysis done by various different people. Well, and, so let's and,
0: actually give a background of, you know, just very loosely what happened with the so, header files and blah, blah, blah. Uh,
1: I think we talked about this on an episode where we discussed mobile, I think on the old show. Uh, and I, I will link back to that. It may or may not be in there. I'll repeat it just in case it's not. Oh. But when this very, what I'm about to say. Not oh, the whole, oh not okay. The
0: whole I was like, I don't know where you're going. So.
1: No, not the whole thing. Just this part that I'm about to say, which is that, that when they put together Android slash Linux, which is basically what I call the typical thing you find on an Android phone, which is Linux used as a kernel plus a whole stack, which I call Android. Which a
0: lot of people don't know. Which is amazing to me.
1: They don't know it's Linux?
0: They don't know it's Linux.
1: That surprises me. But anyway, they're not technical people. Non-technical people don't know, I guess. That would make sense.
0: Yeah, no, it's totally non-technical right. people. And people are saying, people say to me who have Android phones, I don't know what this Linux thing is that you talk about. And I say, oh, well, you've got an Android phone. Yeah. And they're surprised.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, technical people, I think, pretty much all know. I, I think the, the one of the things that, that Google did was they... Not to something I like, but they decided to select uh, only permissively licensed components Mm. whenever they could. And the only thing in the end that's under any form of copyleft license, be it weak LGPL copyleft or strong GPL copyleft, is Linux. Uh, That's under GPLv2. Everything else that people typically call Android uh, is all under a permissive license, be it the modified BSD license or various other Apache license stuff, most of the Android stack itself, the stuff that's in Java is under the Apache license, and so forth. Uh, and there's various reasons that we can speculate about why they did this and so forth, but they made a decision to do that because they they basically, or I, from my point of view, I, I've said this publicly too, that I think they did this uh, as the classic adoption versus freedom argument. Permissive licenses get you more adoption faster. That's just generally been shown to be true. It's why X11 was licensed under permissive license, mm-hmm. because it was widely adopted right and we've had inventors. It's so funny,
0: we've had so many shows that have touched on these topics. I do remember talking yeah. about this in the context of mobile, but we also talked about this very early days when we talked about uh, permissive licensing yeah. versus copyleft right. and why people choose to, li- and we'll link to that as well.
1: Right, and I understand that completely and i don't agree with it but i understand it so so yeah
0: and there are positive and negative implications that
1: yeah i mean i think the main negative implication is most people running android the only free software on their phone is linux because the android stack that they actually get from their vendor comes with no source or offer, which is permitted mm-hmm. <laughs> with a permissive license. So, so the only thing they get an offer for source for is the kernel itself, Linux, and they don't get an offer for source for any of the other stuff because the, because frankly, the vendor is not required to do so. Right. Uh, they can give you the source if they want to, but they don't care most right. of the time. Right. And, and so, and, and now of course they yeah, need. And most
0: it. vendors won't want to because it's some proprietorization.
1: Perhaps I actually think that a lot of the Android phones don't have that many changes that it wouldn't matter that much. I just think I think it probably
0: wouldn't wouldn't actually matter that much, but I don't think that's what the vendors want us to believe.
1: Agreed. So what we typically see uh, is uh, well, and and, actually, I was about to repeat myself, so I won't do that. Uh, What's basically happened is they had to replace any components they needed that weren't in kernel space with permissively licensed. Equivalence. Uh, and uh, for example, I, I've been told that the places where they would have used BusyBox, they chose not to. They wrote like 500 lines of code to replace the little piece. All, basically, all they needed was a knit and a few other things that mm-hmm. would have come from BusyBox. And actually, it, just from a point of view of efficiency, it probably makes sense to rewrite it. If you only need 500 lines from BusyBox, why pull all that? weight in uh, when you don't need it. I mean, BusyBox is small, but if you can make even smaller, why not? Uh, And also they needed a C library, which they took a BSD licensed C library from one of the BSDs. I don't even know which one. And they adapted it for use on Linux.
0: This is the Bionic library. And
1: they called it Bionic. And Bionic is basically, me. I think it might be free BSDs, although I'm not 100% sure it might be open BSDs. It's probably free BSDs. Uh, C library adapted for uh, for a Linux kernel underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- the funny thing is, is nobody. Uh, so, some people had mentioned to me in the past, like, oh, how are they able to do that? And are they allowed to do that, et cetera? Uh, of course, it, I, I never really took much thought to it myself because it's been done before. Uh, glibc had to do this. And mm-hmm. glibc is LGPL, not GPL. So it had to make a C library under a different license because LGPL and GPL are similar but different licenses. And uclibc did exactly the same thing. UC UCLibc is available. And Jake Edge, which I'll link to his article in the show notes too, Jake Edge actually found three other C libraries right. out there under various different licenses as well on top of Bionic and GLibc and UCLibc. So there's plenty of people that have done this before to make a new C library for Linux for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And they've licensed it any way that they they chose because it was intended, um, certainly so so I'm going to talk about the intention first since I just mentioned it. Certainly the Linux developers intended to be the fact that you could write a C library under any license. Mm-hmm. And that's actually clarified in the copying file. Um, uh, the, the,
0: yeah, but but even if it weren't,
1: even if it weren't, correct. Even though, I'm sorry, I thought you, I wanted, thought you wanted to continue. I, I thought so you I was, were going to say even if it weren't.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, this cuts to the heart of what is what does it mean to what is copyrightability, and um, and we actually saw this once that we a while ago that we talked about on on an earlier version of the show. Right. Um, in terms of the which I
1: linked to in my blog post.
0: Great, right. yeah. And what's funny is that um, our most frequent guest, sort of maybe uh, not actual guest, Aaron Williamson, uh, helped write the copyrightability memo when he was merely an intern right. at SFLC, which is pretty cool. Now right. that he's uh, and, and one a seasoned of, attorney,
1: and 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 actually, people also uh, referred to a posting that RMS made to the Linux kernel mailing list about various different issues of copyrightability of header files. And I think the reason this comes up is people people want to paint this with such broad strokes. They want to say, answer me this question, are header files or are they not copyrightable? Which is a dumb question.
0: Well, basically, anytime you ask a question like that, when you ask is something copyrightable, any lawyer is going to say, well, it depends.
1: Um, except for, unless your name's Raymond Nimmer and, <laughs> and, and Edward Naughton. Those are true lawyers. I mean, actually, Raymond Nimmer, to his credit, uh, although he was completely trolling and link baiting, he said, uh, he said, I don't know what the answer is because I have not examined the facts. I'm like, right, so exactly. if you haven't examined the facts, why are you even referencing a specific situation? Like the only reason this re- reference a specific situation is because you've examined the facts. And now it's true that Karen and I haven't examined the facts on this nope. either, um, but we're trying to basically clarify that-
0: So this is not legal advice. <laughs> right.
1: And, well, and we're trying to clarify that people are wrong if if they haven't examined the facts. There's no way you can be right and not have looked at the, the details, mm-hmm. but it is true, that and the facts are there, and we have examined those facts, that it was intended that you could do something like this. Um, and so, and so, and so the, the reason that they're, and if you read Naughton's paper, which I, I encourage you to read, but, but don't, don't believe his conclusions, uh, uh, necessarily, because I don't think he's supported them with, with, uh, sufficient evidence. Uh, but if you look at what, what he's written, he's basically saying, well, I looked at two of the files and I think maybe they're copyrightable and therefore it means that they've done all these horrible things. Well, it, Google has done all these horrible things by adapting Bionic. And it seems to me that the people, the thing people are most obsessed with is that Google wrote scripts to do this, right? So it is true in the case of other C libraries, people have adapted the facts you need to know about Linux into the C library header files mostly by hand uh and in google's case they are extracting them uh by script and i guess what people are surmising is that if you do it by script surely you must have screwed up and infringed copyright um i guess that's what people's argument is i don't i don't see how that's that's interesting necessarily no
0: sure. no um,
1: but, and i'm sure that that various people like danny berlin and other such mm-hmm. folks probably maybe not danny himself but certainly people like him inside google who are both um qualified hackers and lawyers um uh, look this over before they put it out. Google doesn't throw things over the wall yep. willy-nilly that, I, that I've ever seen. So, and um, also,
0: you know, if, if, if header files as a general rule were considered to be uh, copyrightable, which is to say, uh, you know, uh, having the adequate um, level of, of creative expression um, just by their very nature, then we would have a problem all around.
1: Like, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. is, Because there would
0: be no interoperability, there would be, I mean, right. and it's, to say, it's and to exactly say header, what...
1: right, right, to say a header file somehow different than a .c file is actually pretty silly as well. Yeah, it, well, and, sure. Because I could just write a .h file that said pound include foo.c, or it could just be C code anyway mm-hmm. in the header file. And that's sort of what, what Naughton's conclusion is, is that, well, there's things that are C code which aren't just pound defined in this header file, and and there's macros, and therefore those are creative expression. Um, the examples he gave gives are things like byte swapping which is like if you're on a big indian system there's only one order the bytes can be in (laughs) there's only one way to swap them (laughs) if they're wrong (laughs) it's like i i can't imagine how you could yeah i mean
0: and so what we you know the experience we had when we were reviewing the f 5 k code was really really interesting because we um, we actually, or the Linux wireless code is we, we really, um, and, and with respect to the Atheros code, which is mm-hmm. what we published about, even though there were several iterations of this, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, legal situation. But looking at, you know, function to function and looking at header files, you know, the analysis is, is there creative expression here? And if there's only one way to do something, then chances are there is a less of a likelihood of having some creative expression. Um, because what, what's, What's been done is is most likely, um, you know, what needed to be done. And and the the question and it, but that's not a definite statement. It's just you know then you can look at it in light of that and say is there any additional yeah, and expression? We'll, if there is, you know, oftentimes it's very little. Right.
1: And and one of the easiest things to give an example of is is the maximum integer size on an architecture. That that's just a fact. You know. And and can you really claim that I've copyrighted pound defined maxent to this number?
0: Now, I suppose you could write it in, you could add comments that would be copyrightable, or um, there are ways that you could make it copyrightable, but...
1: The fact that the maximum integer size on this architecture is, is not copyrightable, you can't copyright facts
0: as i understand. So, you know, it's interesting because usually we're in the situation where we're saying the, you know, the minimum level for creative expression has been found to be very low by the courts, um, but at the same time there has to be creative expression.
1: Correct. And and so so what i said in my blog post, which i think is the right way to look at this, so so let's let's even spot the other side that they're right. Let's let's assume Google made some error in the way that they extracted this information and and they actually are infringing Linux's copyrights. If they are, it's clear they did it in error, and so then we, if we treated it like any other GPL violation, we draw it to their attention. Of course, being completely cognizant of the fact, I mean, we, I say we as the community. I was about to say. I'm not a copyright holder in Linux, so I can't draw it to their attention. But some copyright holder in Linux would draw it to their attention, and, they would be completely cognizant because all the linux developers are of the fact that the intention is you can write a c library and they would just basically say well you you can't bring this code in you'll have to write it a different way yourself uh, or, or they would give a different license, mm-hmm. probably. One or the other would happen, um, and I would think it's more the former because that's basically what's happened in all the other C library situations. They just said, "Well, you have to get, extract these facts out and and write your own."
0: Yeah, I mean, so much of this kind of analysis, you know, on part of a company does come down to a risk analysis. I mean, it's like who who owns the copyrights? What are we doing? What are the chances that you know, a copyright holder will will believe that what I'm doing is an infringement, and what are the chances that that copyright holder will complain about it? Mm. Um, and here is one of the situations... Why well, are you laughing? I'm
1: laughing because I can think the only complaint the Linux developers have about Android is their inability to work upstream. So I sort of imagine briefly they would say, <laughs> uh, you infringed our copyright, now you have to work upstream if you want your rights restored. But I think they wouldn't even do that. I think right. they would just say... Uh, they would just say you have to do this the way Gillespie and you do it be- to make separate C libraries that aren't derivative of the kernel. Um, and, and these these ideas right. that and there's...
0: copyrights are different than um, than trademarks in a way because you know we talk about people talk about trademarks and that they have to um, vigorously defend them in order to to keep them valid under law. Mm-hmm. And under copyright, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, under copyright, you may be granting an estoppel. So basically, you may be allowing. Um, you know, a, a, someone who is doing something with your your, your code um, permission to do something by not complaining about it, if you knew about it, they might be able to assert that as defense. But it's totally different than like the trademark situation where if you don't, you know, actively go after somebody to stop using your, you know, your name, you're going to lose it. Right. And
1: so, and so, I, I think that this. What I think is really happening here, and there's other names that, that I even don't want to. Me- you can mention them if you want, but I don't even want to mention them because they're they're such trolls that I think they're not worth mentioning.
0: I'm not mentioning uh, them.
1: Yeah, yeah, but but um, I mention those too because they're not normally known in the free software community. Yet. But I think what the, the what, what what Nimmer and Naughton – and by the way, um, I made this mistake too. The Nimmer who posted about this is not the famous Nimmer <laughs> did on you copyright. Really? I, I screwed it up. I did. I admit it. I was confused because the, I know well, Nimmer. Yeah, Nimmer
0: is synopsis. That's why I was, with I was actually
1: outraged when I thought it was the Nimmer who knew something about copyright. That's funny. Um, and then Fontana fortunately pointed out to me that I had the Nimmers confused. Um, I, I sort of hinted that I didn't say that I did, but I, it was clear from the way I you wrote it. You were saying, it, that,
0: how could such an authority? I was, I was saying it was
1: so disturbing. I was saying it was disturbing because it was identica. Yeah. I was saying it was disturbing that, 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 that someone, that, that, Nimmer would say this. And, and Fontana pointed out. I
0: find the disturbing tag disturbing.
1: It's disturbing. Um, but anyway, um, it's actually, it's, it's more disturbing now that it's a group, not just a tag.
0: It is a group? It's a group.
1: Fontana oh. made it a group. It's disturbing. I said it was disturbing that he made group, a, a group about disturbing. Um, anyway. So, uh, I, I, this, this, this other Nimmer, who's not the Nimmer, if you hear Nimmer on copyright and it's, there's a book and all this stuff, that's not the Nimmer we're talking about. It's, it's a treatise. Some, some other Nimmer. <laughs> um, but this other Nimmer, Raymond Nimmer, uh, and, and, uh, Edward Naughton, I'm not sure I'm saying his name correctly, but, uh, the, the, the two of them, I think they're just looking for some, uh, I think lawyers kind of, sometimes kind of get out there and sort of want to get their names out there. Well, they and it's also hard want to, to be do. the
0: top Google result for an open source lawyer.
1: Indeed. So I, I think <laughs> they they make some effort, and 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 I think some of this has to do with with the rules about how they can find clients and so forth, and. And so forth, and you can't really just become like a—you a, a, can't take ads on TV to say, "I'm your open source lawyer. Call one eight hundred open source lawyer or something." Like it, you won't reach the thing. So it's actually I, probably hard for these people to reach potential clients. And I think some of that's about reaching potential clients. And some people have argued that Naughton is, is somehow affiliated with Microsoft. Apparently, he's represented Microsoft in the past and stuff. So, um, so obviously, he has some affiliation there um it's not really clear what exactly it is but there's some relationship um
0: well yeah i mean i I think that this was more um this caused a big stir and i was really surprised and i actually thought today when um when you said you wanted to talk about it that maybe i had missed something and that in fact um it it had turned out to be a bigger deal than it seemed but i don't well i I think people just um it was a, a, a very sexy issue
1: well yeah and I think I think what what and what I really felt this is this is so I was at first enraged because I thought it was actually Nimmer who knew something um but then the this the second thing that then I realized I was wrong about that and got unenraged uh but this the second thing that really <laughs> enraged me was was that, the that, that Naughton's paper basically was claiming that this somehow led to conclusions about how the GPL works and all mm. this sort of thing that, that somehow, there's a paragraph in there I quoted in my blog post where he basically says, if it turns out Google has succeeded, then they have completely shown that the GPL is meaningless and all this stuff because you can just scrub code away and make it not GPL'd anymore. Well, but some script that you write. That's not what would have been shown. What would have been shown is... Well, that is
0: certainly an exaggeration. Yeah.
1: What would have been shown is that there are certain things that are, uh, there are certain things that aren't copyrightable, and as it turns out, something we've known for a decade, you can write a C library for Linux without infringing Linux copyrights, or without having Linux's copyrights cover with the GPL. And I think people have this all or nothing thinking, that somehow, if copyright derivative works go so far, either it's disaster for people, and therefore they should they, they, they don't like the GPL, and therefore they shouldn't adopt it, or it's disaster for GPL, and and there's no meaning for derivative works, as if it's some sort of gulf in between them. Right. It's it's just not true, and and, and that and that that really bothered me, and and I, and I also well, felt well, and it's
0: tough as a lawyer too, because really the answer almost always is it depends, and we should look at it, and we have to examine it, mm-hmm. and so it's tough because lawyers, unless they're being you know, very dramatic in the way you describe, are are otherwise not going to come out firmly on it because no lawyer wants to say without doing a really detailed analysis on any file... That hmm. there is no creative expression there.
1: Yeah, and the trolls have been using that to say, well, nobody's done a detailed analysis, so it could be infringing. Therefore, we should assume yeah. that it is, and we should assume that. And
0: having done some detailed analysis, it's not something that you want to just undertake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would take it would take <laughs> In, weeks you know, to do for, that. It's a 750. Coffee. <laughs> I mean, I, I
1: believe Naughton's number of 750. He says there's 750 files that need to be analyzed. I believe him. He analyzed two of them. I think his analysis on those two is wrong, straight up um but he only analyzed two and so it's like right. it's like how can he make any conclusions and i felt like he he was writing that i felt like he was writing for people who were not well educated on these issues to basically trick them into believing that the, his conclusions were right when he hadn't shown his conclusions and that really bothered me cuz it, it was sensationalist writing that was trying to I was going to
0: gonna say sensationalist writing is a little bit different than trying to trick people
1: well i, I don't know i think i think that
0: but whatever. I mean, he, he I, I mean, I think we're totally in agreement that this is this is blown way out of proportion.
1: Yeah. And so, but I, I think it's I think the opportunity for the free software community is uh, to really think about these issues with a certain level of discernment. Uh, because I, I think a lot of things have been conflated here. There's that the people have conflated in the Oracle v Google stuff and the Java mm-hmm. code. They've conflated in, um, Linus's statement. Uh, like I, Karen uh, earlier in our discussion here pointed out that that was a separate issue. Uh, that Linus did make a statement that said that this was permitted, which would generate certain amounts of estoppel. But then the question is, did Google even need said estoppel? Right. Um, because they might not have been infringing copyright anyway. And so all these different issues are, and, and, and I, I was sort of bothered when RMS's, comment was used to say well Arma says, I saw headlines says Arma says header files aren't copyrighted if you go and read that email he wrote that's not what he said he said, Our general position is not whether or not header files are copyrightable or not, right, but right. various certain types of facts are not. Our but actually, if you are that.
0: interested in hearing and learning more about this, we did publish some pretty extensive documents in the context of the. Well, you,
1: you well, yeah, well, I guess. It was, we did. Well, yeah, I was you were I still used at to, SFLC. I used and, to be employed by your employer, that's true.
0: And you worked on those documents, which us, true. So.
1: I, I listened as an author on one of them, that's true.
0: Um, so uh, so yeah, check said, it out if you want more detail on it. There's a really like. I would say a pretty boring article about copyrightability. It's sort of written as as like a Larview article. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you might want to skim that one. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't really spend too much time on it. But if you want to look at the, what was the the code analysis of the Linux wireless team's F5K driver is pretty interesting because it just touches on some of this stuff. And you can see how some of these issues that we, where we actually did a deep legal analysis play out Mm -hmm. in relation to a real, you know, real, A real code base real header files
1: Mm -hmm. and uh, and our old podcast we did a whole podcast covering the whole issue so there's that too so yeah and so I think people should use the opportunity to try and discern some of these issues I know it's it's fun to be sensationalist and and it's fun to bash companies I I do it sometimes too Uh, but I think I think what's what's most useful is to try and discern some of these facts out about what's actually happening and 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 what you can learn from it about being able to analyze these situations when they come up in the future um, and and I and I actually think our community sniff test was pretty good about this. I, LWN quickly jumped on the story that this is this was sounded mm-hmm. a little weird, and mm-hmm. and uh, and I saw lots of people like on Fora like Adenica saying,
0: yeah. But I saw the, the LWN article. The I stopped paying attention actually. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, great time for another musical interlude. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. So we're in for the old fight.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I'm surprised that you wanted to talk about this again. It just doesn't seem like it's totally worth it. But.
0: It just upsets me to be, you know. I, I just feel like I just feel like people have gotten me all wrong, and I just want to <laughs> set the set the card straight.
1: So, what do you want to set the card straight about?
0: Well, maybe I'll just quickly summarize my position about the terms free software versus the term open source software. In my view, most people are talking about the same thing when they say free software or they say open source software. If somebody says free software, they always mean that the software, if it's issued under a free software, if it's distributed under a free software license, it can be used commercially. People who use the term Open source software to refer to their, um, to refer to licensing, mean that the source code is not only open in terms of being reviewable and studyable, they also mean that you have the ability, you know, you have the right to, um, to modify and distribute those modifications. And so there is an element of freedom when people say open source, and there is an element of, um, of openness in when people say free software and so it's, it's one of those things that I think we just really confuse each other on, on terminology. The reason why I try to prefer to say the, word, the words free and open source software together is because both terms are inadequate on their own. If you say free software, you basically lose people who've only heard the term open source software because it's been in many ways a more popular term. If you say open source software, you lose the conception of freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's very important. And I agree with um, Richard Stallman about that. So I think to me, I just use those terms together because it's the clearest possible meaning. Nobody's lost. Everybody knows what you're talking about. And in truth, drawing a distinction between free software and open source software is more divisive than anything else. There's not a complete overlap, but there is mostly overlap between what the Free Software Foundation considers a free license and what the open source initiative considers an open source license, with some exceptions.
1: So, I, I mean, first of all, I favor the term software freedom, which I was really the first person, as far as I can tell historically, to popularize it in the early 2000s and use it regularly. Uh, basically, anytime I'm not talking about software itself, I say software freedom. Anytime I'm talking about a concept or, or a thing, I, ch- I tend to say software freedom because that's a term people tend not to know at all. And so, and yeah, so it draws it, their attention, and then you you point out. That, I
0: like that term because it's unambiguous. Hmm. But the problem with that term also is that it's not it's not recognizable to people who've only heard the term open source software. See, I see you, that's you, a benefit. It I, I think it can be, but it might take somebody five minutes of talking to you to realize or listening to your speech to realize that oh, I know he's talking about that open source stuff.
1: And so, and so I think that. So, so I agree with Richard Stallman even further on this because I think that open source is generally a used as a terminology to water down the politics away from the software, and talk about it purely as a technological issue. And so that's where I think we differ.
0: I don't, I, you know, I've just seen the term open source used. We're both uh, completely distracted right now because it's hailing. Yeah, it Massively. Doesn't, ha- doesn't happen
1: that often anymore. No, it really it,
0: doesn't. And it's, so. it's March, and it's been fairly warm, and so it's really strange just to see. Maybe you can hear it.
1: Yeah. So there's hail in New York on the day of recording.
0: Um, Boy, so. and it's a lot of hail. Ah, uh, it's okay. I'm glad we're still recording. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, where were we? I'm sorry, I got so distracted.
1: So, yeah, I was saying that, that open source is used, I think, as a term to separate the politics out.
0: I actually don't think that's necessarily true. I've heard the term "open source" used by people who really mean, you know, that that they they want to do this interesting thing that involves freedom. They oh, want I have to, met people. They like want that. to build a real community, and I think that that the where the term "open source" came from was more, um, you know, was perhaps along that business marketing end. But I don't think that's where we've wound up now, because I think that the term "open source" was used so widely that. I, I think, for many people, that's what they mean. I mean, you know that, that, that they, they just don't know another term. and it it I just think we lose more people by trying to draw a distinction between free software and open source than we do. You know, I, I think it's just better to 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 be clear, be inclusive. And I think that people mean so many different things when they say open source software that to say that it's a political initiative is not right. I think it's it's perfectly correct to criticize it um, in terms of saying, well, you know, the term open source doesn't necessarily bring in the concept of freedom, which is why, again, I use the term free and open source. But the term free, you know, is problematic in all the obvious ways, too. And I I think that we're I I personally believe that we have moved beyond the situation that and maybe this is because I'm even though I'm not a newcomer, I'm a newer comer to this space than you are. Um, that I, I, I feel so strongly that this is the case, but we, we lose so much when we argue about it or when we refuse, you know, refuse to talk to each other about these oh, kinds of I, things. I,
1: I, I, tr- I, I rarely, rarely, rarely argue about it anymore um, mm-hmm. because I, I think that arguing about it is problematic and I think that it confuses the issue. Uh, to some extent uh, when, when you make the argument about what words people are using to refer to stuff. Uh, so I try not to talk about it uh, and, and draw attention to it and I, I I've I think I've probably said this before on, on our I think on our podcast, I'm not sure um, that, that I, I use the Larry Wall philosophy of network protocols for uh, the way I do the open source resolver thing which is be Liberal in what you accept and conservative in what you admit. So if I admit open source, i.e. I say the words open source, it's because I'm talking specifically about something I see as distinct. And it, it, But what other people say, I just accept what other people right, say. Right,
0: but I just don't think that what you were, what is sometimes labeled as open source is necessarily distinct, I guess is, the, is, is my well, But that's my when it comes
1: down to the software itself, and that's generally true. Although there's exceptions there as well.
0: Because I don't know what you mean.
1: Actually, I'm sorry. So the so if you talk about like the software, the list of software licenses, because there's a free software list of licenses and there's an open source list of licenses. The FSF maintains a free software list. Well, that's what we list. were just
0: talking about before.
1: And and, and the open source, uh, li- I, I, see, I've been this whole conversation. I've been talking about the software itself. I've been talking about the the well because the because concept. I think it's
0: not it's it's right. It's because I think we agree that it's not a licensing issue. Right.
1: But 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 what you just said made it sound like it was talking about the software itself. Because when it's the software itself, it comes down to a license licensing issue, what the difference is. Because if people say, oh no, that software I don't, is open source, I oh don't that software think so. is free software. I don't
0: think so at all. I think you can say that that there's a very small set of software that has been identified as as is open source by OSI mm-hmm. that is not identified as free software by the FSF. Mm-hmm. And I just I think that's That's not a difference in the conception between free software and open source software. Mm -hmm. It's a difference between what we think of as free and open source software. Mm -hmm. If you see what I mean.
1: Yeah, I I just I see what you mean, but I don't agree with it. I think that there are there there are this is one of these issues where there's multiple things going on, and there's the software itself, and there's the politics behind it, and those are distinct issues. And I agree that they get conflated uh, because the political organization that's pushing forward free software also maintains a li- list of licenses that are officially free software licensed, basically because it had to because it was the first organization to try to do that and the OSI which is the organization philosophically behind open source maintains a list of licenses as well so But o-
0: OSI could have just as could just as easily have called their you know their license list as free you know is, is is being free or not free Oh they wouldn't I have mean-
1: done that because they were opposed to the political mission of the fsf
0: well i i i understand well, that actually that's I, where I'm, I'm not being
1: fair to them i say they oppose it let me take that back i'm sorry to cut you off but yeah they, they weren't opposed to it they wanted to cover it up they wanted it not right to be and they
0: obvious. wanted they wanted it to 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 couch the discussion in different terms really well
1: they, they i mean and, and they say this if you talk to some of the founders of osi that they, they wanted to sneak free software in they they thought if they put a friendly face on free software that wasn't a political Uh, we want freedom for users, Uh, it would make companies more comfortable with the whole thing.
0: But I think we've moved beyond that is what I'm saying. And because the term open source is so widely used, many people mean freedom when they say open source. And by drawing deep distinctions between what is free software and what is open source software, we do ourselves a deep disservice.
1: Well, and, and that's why I've come to what I see is the compromise on this, which is I don't You don't often see me talking about this issue. Uh, This is maybe where RMS RMS and I differ on this, because RMS will still engage and talk about this issue as an important issue of distinction. I tend not to talk about it and draw lots of attention to it. I'm just very careful in what I will talk about as far as And I'm sort of in the
0: opposite. I talk about it because I think people don't realize, particularly um, folks that are not deeply embedded in our community, don't understand that if you use the term open source software, you might alienate some people. If you only use the term open source software, you might alienate people and I think some other people don't know that if they only use the term free software they might not they might lose some newcomers
1: yeah and I've often said that I'm not the I'm my goal is not to be an advocate for newcomers to to free software uh, my advocacy uh, stance is basically people who've already been re- pretty well introduced to free, to free software some other way, right? And this I'm, is
0: an old discussion between us.
1: Yeah, and, and and mainly I am that because I'm I can't reach people who aren't into computing all that well. I, I mean, I'm I'm a hacker and computer geek, and and I talk and think like one, and I can communicate with that community very well. Um, but it is effort for me to communicate with communities uh, outside I've I've learned this again today and Uh, I like to to communicate to
0: everyone (laughs) (laughs) as much as I can as much as people will listen and I guess because I talk to a lot of lawyers who are you know sort of new to the space and some of them are more or less technically savvy Mm -hmm. you know and and i think that i've met very few lawyers who are technically savvy but go ahead. well that's probably true (laughs) but um but but what i'm saying is that is that people who are especially lawyers who are new to our community who probably will have influence on the people that they meet and you know and the developers that ask them questions will rely on their advice Mm -hmm. it's much much better that they sort of get a more balanced view of what our community is about and not fall into these You know, language traps. Just to know that that in general, when somebody says free software, they really mean what most people think of as open source software. When people say open source software, they really mean what most people think of as free software. And it's probably easier and better to just say free and open source software.
1: Boy, I want to see you debate that with RMS. I have
0: debated it with RMS. It would be funny.
1: Because I, I know exactly how he would react to what you just said, and and I'll make some of his point for him, not all of it. But I it think, actually
0: went better than you might have thought. I think most
1: <laughs> I think most people, when they they hear, um, I, I think most people who support free software wouldn't agree with your statement then when when most people who say free software actually mean open source. I don't think that's true. I think they mean... That well, what
0: I said, I think, I hope, was that when people say free software, they mean what a lot of people think about as open source software, which is to say that I don't know... I've, I've, called, I've asked people about this, and when people just say the term open source, if you ask them about it, what they mean is not just software that can be reviewed, but software that you have the right to modify and distribute, those modifications. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's the piece that's missing.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I just don't. I just, I think that there are more subtle political it, it, the, I, I think it's a story of of movement option and, and, and I think those are, things.
0: I think those are old arguments. And I think it's more. I think we just lose a lot more now by by sticking by those old divisions.
1: Well, I, th- I think that, I think that people need to be introduced to the concepts of of software freedom and and why it matters. And I think most people. Who are just introduced to it as open source, don't ever think deeply about those issues. and And my goal is to introduce them to those issues. most people i'm talking I'm talking to when I'm doing, obviously already know well open source. And they all actually know the traditional open source arguments of it makes better code and
0: all these sorts right. of things. right. And the people that I talk to often don't know those things right. And so and and so, so maybe that's where we're yeah, where yeah. Our, our division is, but I find that it's, it's so much more helpful to explain why there is freedom in open source software and why, you know, you know, and, and most of that is me advocating for people mm-hmm. saying free and open source software mm-hmm. instead of just saying open source software. So usually, I, I, you know, it sounds like maybe I'm not advocating in that direction, but I am. I'm advocating for a discussion of freedom, mm-hmm. but I'm doing so in in what I'm trying to make a, a more inclusive way mm-hmm. because I think that there are so many people who have heard of this open source software thing who think it's cool, who think you know positive things about it, who who are are incorporating the freedom component vaguely into what they're thinking about, but they're not as mature as the audience that you're normally listening to. Or, you know, haven't gone as far down these roads,
1: hmm.
0: and you know, I like for our outcasts to be accessible too. Yeah, and a I mean, well, broad, you know, broad uh, audience.
1: On the other hand, I, I think that, that the level of detail we get into topics were not well. Really that's true. Accessible but, to anybody but people who already know a good deal about free software.
0: Well, I guess if anyone sat through the discussion of the the header files in the previous segment, uh, if they uh, if they sat through that, then maybe they're too advanced for this. But
1: yeah, I mean, I, they're not. Uh, yeah. I, no I don't think so because it did come up with some of Ergo listeners, so I think you're right about that i, I think I think most of our Ergo listeners are probably sick of of any maybe distinctions I being just made wanted to be be
0: understood <laughs> so thank <laughs> you for bearing with me
1: yeah and and, and just as a note on our oddcast, I think that it's impossible to do an podcast for the you and I to do an oddcast that's going to be generally accessible to the public about who aren't who are new to open source and or free software for that matter. Uh, I just I just think that we're in too in depth for most people, and and I think that's okay because I think our podcast too artists, in
0: depth for some, not yeah. in depth enough for others. Well, yeah, but those <laughs>
1: those are just those are just a few sort of very vocal regular listeners. But but I think I think we're probably at the right level for the type of listener we're attracting. I don't think we can attract uh, new people because the level of detail we're going to go into. I, I think that's what sort of this whole individual odd casting thing is about is, is to have these level of detailed discussions that wouldn't happen. I mean, If you compare it to what, what it comes from, which is regular radio, you'd yeah. never have something you could listen to while walking or driving. It's not pretty that cool. Like people driving that, that get into this in depth in an issue you're interested in. Then people
0: in. don't have a choice.
1: Okay. Well. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so I, I just think that, that, that that's, that's the value that we have is to go into depth on these issues. So that's why I think that most of them are going to be well, annoyed at this time. I
0: promise but. we won't talk about this anytime soon again. Okay, let's go. Free is in Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of HalfBakedMedia.com. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. Free as in Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 Unported License. Please provide any feedback to oddcast at faif.us.